Your business exists because you had the idea to start it. Everything begins in our minds. That's why your business results cannot outgrow your current level of thinking. Do you want to serve more clients, make more money, without working more or burning yourself out? Grow yourself first as a leader of your business, because that's who you are, a leader, even if you're the only person in your business right now. When you lead yourself first, the business results will always follow. My name is Maggie Perotkin. I'm an international business and leadership coach, an expert in business mindset, strategy, and high performance. I created the Diamond Effect podcast to help you elevate your thinking, expand your perspective, and through it, grow your business without overwhelm. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome everybody to episode number 17. I can't believe that when this episode is published, it's going to be end of October. Time flies. And this episode is the third part of our trilogy when we've talked about our clients, clients' journey, how to sign them, how to retain them and all those things. And today we'll talk about how to deal with difficult clients because we all have them or we used to have them or we're still signing them. So today I want to talk about a how to deal with a difficult client when you have one, but also how to create sort of a filtering system in your business to ensure that you don't get them. Just because we started our businesses so we can enjoy and have fun. And as business owners and CEO of business, we really get to decide who we work with or who we don't. And sometimes, you know, especially in the beginning of your business, when you're thinking like, oh, I need to make money, you know, I need cash flow, so I'll take on whomever, right, wants to pay me, whomever wants to hire me, I do want to still challenge you on that, even though it's not um, easy to do, just because sometimes when we take on the clients that are not meant for us, they're not ideal client, and they become difficult clients, we end up working almost for free or for very low profit, creating a stress and overwhelm, but also that client is taking a spot for a client that could have been our dream ideal client. So I do want to challenge you, even if you're new in your business and maybe you're attracting those kind of more difficult clients just because of that graspy energy of I need money, I need cash flow, that maybe that's not the best strategy for you, even at this stage. Excuse me. Anyhow, I did explore concept of a difficult client in um, a free workshop that I've been mentioning for the past uh, two, three episodes, six steps to consistently signing high quality clients. And in there, I explored it in a sense of, okay, if we know what 
you know, what it means to have a difficult client and what type of client is that, then the opposite of that or some sort of, you know, what would it be to have a high quality client? What type of client is that? But I do want to mention that content just to set the stage and think, okay, like what do we consider? What type of client we consider difficult client? So for example, client that penny pinch that stretch if you have a contract with them and maybe they stretch the contract to the last their moment so let's just say you're a web designer or some sort of designer and you agreed with your client that the design project within the price you would have you know a few revisions within the price. And that's what we'll talk about that. But let's just say two or three revisions. And then the client is trying to get a fourth one and the fifth one. And it's not really willing to pay for your time that you take to, you know, change the change the your design and change your work. Another, you know, trait of a difficult client might be that they're very undecided, right? So there's a lot of back and forth. You can't move forward with them because they cannot decide maybe or what color or, you know, they want to use or whether, you know, maybe if you're a social media manager or VA, you've created some sort of posting schedule or content and they cannot approve it. They're undecided. There's a lot of back and forth. That sometimes can be nerve wracking or take a lot of time that you haven't accounted for, let's just say, when you quoted them for work. Or, you know, client who is negative, who complain, who blames others. And that's difficult, especially for us, for coaches, right? When client doesn't take responsibility for their actions and kind of doesn't take that agency over what they have control over and just blame circumstances or other people for the results or the situation they're in, it's very difficult to help them unless you kind of show them that and they can you know, they can understand that and <clears throat> and get past that. But when they don't, it's very hard for us to help them because, you know, it's very hard for them to create the results when they're thinking it's things outside of their control that influence the results or create those results. Clients that are late, late with payments, late for meetings, late with information that they were supposed to give you so you can, uh, you know, meet the deadline of whatever you're working for them. Clients maybe who never refer, never appreciate or say thank you, that are kind of like maybe in that negativity in a bad mood, never offer a testimonial, right? That could be considered a difficult client. Or clients who are not communicating. So kind of same with being late, but this one is taken to the other extreme. They're not replying to emails. They're not communicating. You know, they're assuming you know everything, but then when you reach out, they're not providing the information you need to move forward with the work that you've agreed to complete for them or that you're, you know, working with them on. So of course... <clears throat> prevention is always the best, meaning avoiding such clients and not having them is the best way to deal with them. And we'll talk, I will talk about it a little bit at the end, but happens to all of us, myself included. If, you know, you went up with working with a client that might be a bit difficult, 
here are the few things that I want to offer you and some suggestions that could help you deal with the client and still have a good relationship through the journey. So first and foremost, what I want to say is whenever we attract difficult clients, and especially if maybe it happens to you often or more often than you would like to, I always say, let's look at ourselves, right? Because when we lead by example, then we give out energy that attracts like-minded clients. We're kind of like sometimes attract the clients that we are, right? So look at what type of client you are to people that you hire, whether it's service providers or products and so on, right? Are you a dream client to them? Or a dream client who is a dream client, right? The client that doesn't penny pinch, that is willing to pay for value, pay the va- the worth of the value that they're being offered and delivered, right? A client who is fair, who is not late, who communicates and provides the information that the vendor or supplier that they hired requires to deliver the service or deliver the offer. Client that is decisive. Are you decisive, right? So do an audit of you. That's my challenge for you today is do an audit on yourself. Maybe take a couple of recent interactions you had with vendors that you've hired, whether it's in your business or in your personal life, and maybe interactions that maybe didn't go the way you wanted, and see from an ego's eye, look at yourself and how what was your part in that relationship, right? Maybe there were things that you could have improved, that you could have worked on or that you can work on to be that dream client for others. And, uh, you know, for me, <clears throat> I definitely um, went through a journey of me, of allowing myself even to consider, but then also paying the higher ticket things for whatever items, whether it's services and so on, and paying for the value, right? I definitely have a tendency for being very, you know, I was just say reasonable with money. Like, you know, in my past, we, as a family, we were never um, abundant with money. We, we had enough to cover, you know, for basic expenses and food and so on that we never liked, but we were never abundant in a sense where we had extra money to, you know, have branded clothes or, or go on vacations all the time or whatever the things might be, right? Communist regime, Poland, and then, you know, mom being a teacher, not necessarily earning a lot of money, money was tight. So my background from that, like I have this tendency of being very reasonable with money and thinking only what I need and trying to find the best deal and so on. So for me, going into that mindset of, yes, best deal, that's great. Of course, we don't want to be overpaying, but also being willing to pay higher amount of money for the value of something that I want, need or want or whatever was work for me. So that's, for example, something as a customer and a growth 
I did. And not only, you know, worth for me and pay, but also be excited about it and not, for example, beat myself up or question myself or did I do the right thing and so on, right? So just be excited, make that decision, love my reasons and move on. So that's something I want to challenge you to do. The second thing Always, you know, in a situation when maybe your relationship with a client is starting to get rocky, maybe there's some miscommunication and so on, always come forward by assuming a positive intent from your client's sides and give them a side and give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, 99.9% of people we deal with every day want to do good and want to do the best they can. Nobody wakes up in the morning and say, who can I be mean to today? Or what can I not say? Or what can information can I withhold? So to make somebody else's life miserable, right? We don't do that. So now, but also people get busy. They have life events happen. They just, you know, naturally as human beings, we're usually self-absorbed. So we think about our, we think about life and we don't think that, oh, you know, maybe that service provider or hired needs that type of information and so on. So have compassion for your client and be always willing to talk and clarify things, right? So if maybe... um you know, you had a one conversation, some interaction with your clients when it's getting on your nerves and you're not getting what you want and so on. Having that mindset of assuming positive intent and giving your client benefit of the doubt, stepping away and thinking, okay, where in our communication, maybe things are not clear. Maybe I'm making certain assumption because I'm an expert in my field and I'm taking assumption that my client understands certain aspects of what we're working on and maybe they don't. Maybe I need to go back to basics and, you know, have a chat and really explain very simply, you know, whatever we're working on or whatever I need. Or maybe we just need additional conversation to clear up some things. So you being a leader and you leading with, okay, there's something not working or something, you know, uh, I don't know how to say it, like certain, um, you know, miscommunication between us. Let's clear it up. Let's meet up again. I'll ask questions. I will listen and then simply explain things, right? So that's another strategy that you can take depending on the situation. Then as you do that, as you have those conversations, Try to separate the facts of the whatever is going on in the relationship that you have with your clients from the stories that our brain is making up on both sides, your side and your client side, just because, you know, whenever we say something, the other person interprets it. And sometimes that interpretation can lead to miscommunication because What we meant is not what the client received, right? So example with a design project, maybe you weren't clear in the contract how many revisions are included in the, you know, in the price and what a revision really means. Right. And then maybe you chatted about it with the client during the signature. Maybe you explain it even a couple of times, but people forget. Right. We forget a lot of things. So for you, a couple of revisions 
might mean two and or three maximum, but then for the client, a couple revisions will mean five to seven, right? <laughs> because we like to always interpret things to our benefit. And that's normal. That's just human behavior. So being specific always helps, but also during the conversation, separating facts from from the story and asking the questions to get to really the truth of the situation will help clarify any miscommunication. Um, Next strategy is, is that establishing boundaries that you clearly communicate. So it protects really your sanity, your profitability, but I really also think that it offers value to the client because when the relationships goes well and smooth without the unnecessary back and forth, without the unnecessary miscommunications, it provides a better experience to the client as well. And great experience is very valuable. It's value to the client and it is professional. And when I mean, when I talk about setting boundaries, I don't mean just writing something in the contract and never talk about, yes, the client is supposed to read the contract maybe that you had for them. And yes, they're supposed to be responsible, but people are busy. They trust you. They loved you. They skimmed through the contract. They sign it saying, yep, Maggie will be the solution of my challenges and she will help me. She's amazing. Take time to walk the client through whatever important parts of the contract they really need to know about, and not even once, but a few times throughout your relationship, throughout your um, your communication with them, especially if it's like that, like there is a project and there's certain, there's a lot of moving parts, right? It might be different if, you know, it's a straightforward it's a it's a one thing you do very small. The more you do for them, the more complex it is than, you know, reiterating certain clauses or certain things you agreed on or those boundaries is beneficial. And it's not about pointing them out, but whenever it makes sense, whenever that reminder makes sense and it just comes up in a conversation, keeping that in mind and just communicating. Then... The fifth sort of little strategy to help you deal with difficult clients is, you know, making CEO type of decisions, when to enforce the boundaries and when maybe not and give slack to the clients, right? Only because we signed something in the contract doesn't mean we have to enforce it every single time. You can, you totally can. And as a CEO, you make those leadership decisions in your business and it's up to you. So, and what I want to say, like, for example, in my example, right? So yes, you know, whenever I, I, I work with my clients um, and we have coaching sessions, especially one-on-one clients, I do tell them that I have no problem rescheduling sessions, but I would like to have 24 hours notice. So as long as I have 24 hour notice, they won't lose the session, we'll just reschedule, right? But I do have clients that I'm, or I'm understanding when clients have emergency family situations come up and they just can't give that notice, right? They were, they 
thought that the week could meet whatever the child gets sick or they need to rush it to hospital or whatever they get sick right and they didn't know 24 hours before maybe that you know that happens right so when they contact me I usually don't charge them for the session they usually they don't lose that session we just reschedule no problem right I always will find time and so on Or, you know, I had a client who mentioned before we signed the contract saying, hey, I have these challenges from time to time. And there might be instances where I won't be able to meet and it might be last minute. But, you know, I'll let you know, could we, you know, agree not to. So for me not to lose a session. And I consciously agreed to that saying, yep, no problem. We'll do it now. Those kind of me deciding that I will honor that because this is my decision, my business. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't mean that you need to do it, that that's the only right way to do it. No, there's a lot of coaches that don't allow for that and that's fine. But for me, that's what I decide. Now, on the other hand, if I had a client who would really abuse it and would, you know, not show up for the sessions, not give me notice and had a lot of excuses and not like, you know, every other week or every week that I would then enforce the rule, right? That That is in the contract that we agreed on. Um, because for me, you know, family emergencies don't happen every other week or every week. So then if that happened, I would enforce that rule. So that's what I mean by being, you know, making decisions as a CEO, when do you really enforce the rules that your boundaries that you set and maybe when not. And there's no right or wrong answer here. Everybody is different. But make it make it in a way really intentional. Not because you, you know, you let your clients kind of run the show because you don't like to say no or you don't want to, you want to be liked, but just making decision when, okay, well, I'm not going to enforce the rule and here's the reason why, right? And it's not because I'm scared to say no. And the last one, which is probably the hardest sometimes, but again, as a CEO of your business, that happens and you need to be prepared for that from time to time is be willing to fire a client. If, you know, Yes, it's a last resort, but as I said, you are the leader and you started the business not to suffer, but to have fun, to help people and so on. And sometimes if that relationship is not working and it doesn't bring value to either side anymore for whatever reason, then it's in the best interest for the client and yourself to end the relationship. Right. If that relationship went to the point where it really doesn't bring value, even to the client and yourself, then it's just better to end it. And you as a leader, you can do it. You don't need to wait for your client to do it and so on. Okay. So the last thing I will will talk about is really establishing so that we talked about kind of reaction right when when the relationship goes sour it's kind of rocky doesn't have to be very rocky but it's a little bit rocky then the the strategies that I just talked about you can use some of them or all of them to help you but then of course the best way is prevention meaning how can I create a filtering system in my client attraction strategy that I don't sign difficult clients and all the clients that I sign 
are great. Yes, some of them will be amazing and my fans and so on, but some and some of them will might not be the greatest fan of mine, but we'll have still great relationship, very professional, you know, won't be rocky or anything like that. So having a filtering system, of course, depends on your business and depends on how you sign the clients, how you, you know, what you do. If you're selling, you know, high ticket items and you're still having a conversation, having a sales conversation with your potential clients, especially for high ticket items, people that you don't know, might be a great way um, to serve as that filtering system, right? So it's not just for you to sell or for you to show your client, your potential client that you can help them and you have solutions for their problems and can help them with their goals, but also for you to get to know the person and say, is that a person I want to work with? You know, it could be your filtering system could be the requirements that a client needs to meet to work with you. Maybe it's, you know, a deposit, percentage of deposit that they need to do that they need to put before you even start working on their project right the higher the percentage the more filtering happens because people who are willing to pay that percentage of a deposit up front they're more serious about really working with you and getting what they came for and not dragging it into one, right? Because they have money frozen until you finish. You could have in a non-refundable deposit a certain thing just to book a spot and so on, right? And, and there is a lot of ways and depending on what type of services you offer, you know, there's many different ways to do it and where you are, again, how your client becomes your client. There's many um, ways to do it and I help my clients with it. But don't be scared to set those boundaries, okay? A lot of new entrepreneurs are scared to do that because, again, from that fear of losing a sale and making money. But... This way, you really defer those undecided type of clients, right? And you attract only serious ones that they have a need, they want it filled, and if they love you, they're willing to go far and do a lot of things to work with you. So that's it for today. Now, if you haven't watched yet the recording of the workshop of six steps, how to attract high quality clients consistently, I highly, highly recommend you do it. Um, in there, I share behaviors and some behaviors that you might be doing now that are attracting those difficult clients that, you know, once you know, you can maybe stop and change and not attract them. So outside of the filtering system, you can learn that. And then there's a process how to attract high quality clients. I'm going to share the sign up link in the show notes. I um, highly recommend you see it. And other than that, see you next week or talk to you next week in November. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. If this podcast resonated with you, please come back. Also, you can leave a review on whatever platform you're listening. And if you have a suggestion, question, or a topic you would like me to talk about, let's get in touch via email. 
email me at maggie at stairwaytoleadership.com. See you in the next episode.